How are we doing this morning? Good, 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 good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Uh, Psalm chapter 8 is where we'll be this morning. Psalm chapter uh, 8. Um, if you would be praying for Jimmy, McKenna, and Maddox as they are uh, on the road, they're on vacation uh, this week, and so they're uh, headed down to Florida, um, and so they're excited to, to be able to just get away and enjoy time with family and uh, be at the beach, and um, so I'll be praying for them uh, there. But like I said, uh, Psalm chapter 8, and man, summer is here. Ah, oh, that escalated quickly, didn't it? Good lands. We were just at the first of the year, and now we're here um, with summer and wide open, school out, kids everywhere, and um, man, just, just always an exciting time, except for those of us that work. We get that week, maybe, and so um, we just, it's another day for us, summer. Hey, great, now it's just hotter, but um, no, uh, excited for it to be summer, and so just real quick, before we really jump into to everything we've got this morning, just want to kind of... Uh, bring you up to date a little bit, uh, d- dropped uh, on us uh, a couple weeks ago, and so this will be starting our second week. I put before us uh, just a challenge as the church to come alongside uh, this new opportunity we have uh, for Child Development Center, uh, daycare, uh, and our after-school ministry. And so uh, laid it out there saying, hey, what, what if we raise $10,000 uh, over the next four weeks? And so this will be going into week two, and so we are $2,000 in week one, uh, so eight more to be able to just bless them. Uh, there's a lot of things that they need to get, a lot of supplies and different things like that, and just kind of get that that up and running all the more. And so, uh, and the thing that I love about our after-school ministry and the opportunity to have uh, a daycare here at the church is, and that means more people we get to share the gospel with, more families that we that we get to share the gospel with. And I, and I just want to just, uh, I think this will work out. I just want to say, who has had their kid in our after-school ministry? Yeah, yeah, look, yeah look, look at that. And I know that there's more that's not here that would normally be here, yeah. So, so we, we have an opportunity, again, to, to get the gospel to, uh, to affect families, to um, walk with families and care for. And, and so I'm just, I'm excited to see how God will just bless that and use that. And like I said, we're, we're 2,000 in uh, week one, and let's see what God can do over the next uh, three weeks as we try to, again, just bless that ministry, bless that opportunity um, there. And so for me, just kind of praying, okay, God, where are you going to take us this summer? What would you like to do and accomplish in us? Where, uh, where would you have us? be in your word and just praying through that and just spending time just before the Lord. I just feel like he wants me to just take some time to just walk through different Psalms, the book of Psalms, different Psalms to just walk through and teach through uh, uh, this summer. And so it's summer in the Psalms. That's where we're going to be. And we have uh, a reading plan uh, out in the lobby you can get as we're going to read through all the Psalms this summer, just a good way to get God's word before us, kind of get in our heart, uh, remind us of of his greatness, his beauty, his love. And so uh, I I believe maybe one of the reasons why God led me to the Psalms just because I feel like we can relate really well to the Psalms. I feel as we read the Psalms and we look at the Psalms and uh, we're reminded of some things in the book of Psalms, we just relate to it. Like, like David. I mean, David is a mess, is he not? I mean, like there's, there's one moment in the Psalm, he's just how close God is, and it's like two, two verses later, he's like, God, are you even there? Can you even hear me? Can I even feel you? Are you ever going to come for me again? And it's just, it's, it's just, I feel like that's us. We're just such a mess, are we not? I mean, life is just crazy. It's hard. It's difficult. There's highs. There's lows. And so uh, I think that's, that's one reason why we relate so well to it. And I think another reason is because we're wired to worship. And, and, and we do worship. You were, and I'm not talking about singing a song before a sermon. I'm talking about uh, reflecting back how much something, uh, how much you value and how much you love and how much you care for something. Like We're, we're wired that way. To, to worship, and, and that's what the book of Psalms is. is it just points us back to, uh, and it's just a big worship hymnal pretty much. It's just a big worship book that, 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 that 
drives us back to where our heart needs to be, uh, worshiping and what our, our, our devotion needs to be for. So we're just going to dive in over the next 12, 13 weeks and just walk through different Psalms and to see what God would, would have for us and what he would do. And so uh, the book of Psalms was originally titled the, the Telium, which just means praise songs. In Hebrew, in the original language, it just means praise songs. And so that's, that's pretty much what the book of Psalms is. It's just a big song of praise. Each, each chapter, each, each one is just a, a big psalm of praise and pouring out, pouring out their heart to God. And so, uh, and that's where we get the word Psalms and is the English title of it, uh, which just originated from the Greek meaning song, of praise. And so Psalm is just a collection of lyrical poems containing multiple authors. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the scriptures. I mean, you've got Moses who, who writes Psalm 90. You've got David who's responsible for many of them, composing uh, around 73 different Psalms. Uh, you have the descendants of Korah who penned 10. You've got Solomon who wrote, wrote a few. You've got Ethan and, and Heman, the Ezraites, uh, who are responsible for some others. And uh, there's some other Psalms that, that don't have uh, authors. Uh, pinned to them or connected to them. They're just anonymous. And so uh, the beautiful thing about the book of Psalms is it spans over about 900 years of Jewish history. 900 years of Jewish history. And so it just shows us the very heart of Psalms is to arouse and inspire the proper praise and worship of God. That's the very drive forward. And so my hope this morning is this, as we look at Psalm 8, is that, is that we would just marvel at the majesty. We would marvel at the bigness and the splendor of God. And in that reality, that, that God would just remind us that he has purpose for us, remind us that he has a plan for us. And so I'm going to ask you to join me as we pray, and then we'll jump into Psalm 8. Father, help us this morning to hear from you. God, I just pray that you would work and move like only you can. Father, may you speak in this moment. May your Holy Spirit be heavy in this place. Direct us, Father. May may, may we hear from you this morning. God, remind us of some truth about you. Remind us of the reality that we live in. Father, remind us of uh, of some amazing things about your nature, your character. And So, Father, I just pray that you would work like only you can. Holy Spirit, that you would draw and that you would save the hearts that's lost, Father, that you would encourage the hearts that need it, that are hurting. Father, that you, that you would just accomplish all that you've promised and said, and Father, that, that our hearts would be bent toward you all the more. Father, that our desire would be to worship you all the more. So Father, we thank you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. And so what we're going to see here in Psalm 8.1 is we're going to see that the psalm starts out and it's going to end with this, this same point, the main point. And the main point of Psalm 8 is simply this, is that, that God's name is great in all the earth. That God's name is great in all the earth. And that's a declaration, not a question. So it's going to look like a question here in a moment, but it's not a question, it's a declaration. It's an exclamation uh, uh, that David is exclaiming there. And so it's going to begin and it's going to end the exact same way here in a few moments. We'll see that. It's just going to, just going to remind us, stir our hearts all the more for a greater affection uh, toward God. So Psalm 8, starting in verse 1, this is how it starts. It starts, O Lord. And that old Lord there is not some old English type uh, uh, mishap that, that we forgot to get rid of or to take out, but that O is a very, very important word it doesn't, uh, or a per, important meaning attached to it. It doesn't seem like much, uh, but, but it's very, very deep, and we'll miss it if we're not careful, because whenever David starts out here with this thought of old Lord, it's evocative O is what it is. It's an attention grabber is what he's doing. It's a cry of the soul. So as, as David comes before God and he, he pins this psalm and he begins to sing this song as, a, uh, as an adoration toward God, there is depth to it. It's a, uh, there's intensity to it. It's, it's his, his soul is being poured out before God. His soul is being laid bare and it's just an intimate cry to his God. 
And so he's wanting God to take notice of what he's about to say. He's wanting to get God's attention, though he doesn't need to do that because God's aware and God knows, but it just, it just shows his posture as he approaches God. It shows his heart as he comes before the throne, as he says, oh, Lord, our Lord. And it's not that he's having a stuttering problem here. There's two words in this, in this scripture here for, for the word Lord. There's two separate words. You see, oh, Lord, our Lord, and they're not the same word in the original language. He's not just just repeating himself or starting to stutter. You've got the first one there uh, that's all capitalization there. The the, the Lord, the first thing that you see there is just a translation of the name of Yahweh, the translation of of God's name. It's not a generic name for God. It's not another name that describes something about him, but it's the personal name of, of the God of Israel. That's what it is. And it's built on the scripture, on the statement from Exodus 3, where, where Exodus 3.14 says, I am who I am. When God describes himself and tells the people of Israel who he is, I am who I am. And so God named himself Yahweh as the absolute existing one. The absolute existing one. Just the one who simply is. Think about that for a moment. I am who I am. Always been, always will be, have always existed. I just simply am. He did not come into being. He does not go out of being. He never changes in his being because he is absolute in his being. He is who he is. I am who I am. I'm 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 the only one like this. The only one that will ever be like this. And so, so as David cries out, as David uh, sings this song, he, he's just reminding himself of who God is. Uh, of who God, God, God is one that is not, not, that's always existed. He's not been created. I mean, that's always something that kind of stump, gets people to stumble, kind of gets, gets them stuck in, in their pursuit of God. Well, well, how did he get here? He's always been. He doesn't have a start point. He doesn't have an end point. For us, we're created and we're made and we have a start point and we have an end point. But for God, it's not like that. God has always been. He's the uncreated one. He is the one that creates. There's never been a moment in time. And see, see time starts for us when God, when God speaks and creates, Genesis 1. That's when time starts. That's when we begin to measure time. God had no need for time because he's always been. He has always been. Been. He's dependent on nothing for his being, and everything else depends completely and utterly on him. Try to get your mind around that for a minute. Let that just sit there and ache for a second, trying to figure out and comprehend that reality. God's not created. He's always been. He is the one that creates. He is the one that speaks, and it happens. So, so David's just crying out in this song, Oh, Lord, our Lord. He says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. See, there's no place in all the earth where God is not this, is not the existing one, is not Yahweh, where he is not the absolute one. There's nowhere where anyone else is greater, anything else is greater, anything else is bigger, anything else is more powerful. There, There is nowhere, everywhere else, everything else depends absolutely upon him. That's who God is. He has no competitors anywhere. He is above all things. He sustains all things the scriptures teach. He is the ground and the goal of all things. He is greater. He is wiser. He is more wonderful than anything and everything anywhere. That is who David's crying out to. That's who David is singing to. That's who David is being reminded of, of of who God truly is. 
That's how he starts out this psalm as a reminder. He says, you have set your glory above the heavens. He says, you, you, because of who you are, your, your glory is seen. It's there. You've, 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 you've made it. You've proclaimed it. You've, you've set it into motion. There is your glory that we can look at it. We can be made aware of it. We can, we can see how mighty and awesome you are. As the all-sustaining, as the, as the only one everywhere always, the uncreated one, as the one that creates, there is your glory. So what is glory? Glory is just the manifest beauty of God's holiness. It's him going public with his holiness, his righteousness, how different and mighty and awesome he truly is. That's what his glory is. And so his glory is his perfection. It's his greatness. It's his value of of being made known in this world. That's what it is. So the end of this verse makes God's glory and his splendor stand out all the more. David says, God, you've made us aware of that. You've put it into display that we can see that this world, this creation that you've created, this theater, this theater that we're, we're setting in is, is, is nowhere near big enough to display it. Nowhere near grand enough to put it all on display. That's what David's crying out. That's what he's saying. And then here in verse 2, what we're going to see is, is he's going to lay before us all the way, all, all the more how he shows and puts on display his majesty. And he does, does it in the way that he relates uh, first to children and to humans in general. And so this is what he says in verse 2. He says, out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of, of your foes. And so to steal the enemy and the avenger. So, so what, what David is saying, what David is proclaiming here is that the, the, the most needy, the most dependent, the ones that seem to be the most uh, incapable of, th- those are the ones that you use. Uh, the ones that make absolutely no sense. The ones that, that seem weak and feeble. And so he's just marveling at, David here in this psalm is marveling that God uses the smallest and the weakest to do what? To silence his enemies, to overthrow his foes. That's what he's saying. I mean, I mean, think about it for a moment. This psalm is penned by David. What do we know about David? David went against Goliath, right? You know the story, David and Goliath, this mighty mammoth of a giant out there uh, mocking and making fun of his God and what, it, it ticks David off a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, who, who is this guy out here that he is that can come against our God? What, what are y'all doing over here cowering in the corner? Are we not going to stand up? But do you not see how big and awesome and mighty? He'll, he'll destroy us. And so they're fearful and what happens. David says, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to let him mock and make fun of my God. And what does he do? He goes after the giant. And what, what happens? This little, insignificant, feeble shepherd boy takes down the giant that everyone else was afraid. David was in the fields watching over the flock. And his dad sends him to check on his brothers, take them food, check on them. And he gets there and he sees what's transpired, what's happening in front of him. And, and he's, he says, no way. This little weak, feeble boy, shepherd boy, going to go against this giant. And what happens? He goes against and he defeats. He, he goes against and he's victorious. The, the very one that, that you would never, ever give a fighting chance. Never, ever would you expect the outcome to be favorable for. And what happens? God uses what seems to be insignificant, little, impossible, and he overthrows. 
He overthrows. That's what David is marveling at. That's what David is being reminded of. That's what David is, is saying here out of the mouth of babes and infants. What, the, the, the little insignificant, the little, the little feeble, the little ones that, that need help, need everything, uh, uh, need sustenance, needs all of us out of their mouth, out of them, you've established strength. Church, that's us. The broken down, beat up, insignificant. That, that's what he is, and he's established in us. Because of your foes, you steal the enemy and the avenger. So David's just lost in that. He's marveling in that. And then what we're going to see here is the next few verses. It's really going to just help us feel small all the more, insignificant all the more, as he marvels at how big God is. Look, look at verse 3. He says, when I look at your heavens. And, and so he's not talking about the place where God resides. He's, he's, what he's simply saying is he's, just, he's marveling. He's looking up at the night sky. He's looking up at, at this creation, and when I look at your heavens, the, the, the work of your fingers, he says the, the, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Man, on, on a pitch black night sky, no clouds in the sky, dark, to be able to go out and to look up and to see, to see all the stars, to see the beauties, to see the moon. I mean, last night, what, what, what happened? We had, we had like a strawberry moon type thing going on. And to go out and to see that and to experience that and just kind of, mar- I mean, how amazing is that? That, that it changes colors. That, 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 that it does, like God puts on display for us to marvel at, to see. I mean, his handiwork, his, his ma- I mean, nobody paints a picture like God. Nobody paints a picture like God. Uh, nobody can, uh, can, can construct or can put together or can uh, uh, manage or make like our God. And what David says, man, I look up and I see that, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've set in place, that you've created, that you've made. I, I just want us to feel the weight of that this morning. I want us to feel, feel how, how small and tiny we truly are. I, I just want to paint a picture for you for a moment, the, the universe Man, did you know that you could put 1.2 million earths inside the sun? 1.2 million of the place that we reside and we call home. 1.2 million of these inside the sun, and you still have room for 4.3 million moons. I can't even begin to fathom that. Like, like, like to have to travel like two hours down the road seems like forever. And to think that's just, that's just maybe 120, 150 miles. And, and the vastness of our earth, 1.2 million inside the sun. Did you know that the sun is 865,000 uh, miles in diameter? 865,000 miles in diameter. And it's 93 million miles from earth. The, sun, the, the diameter of the 865,000 Miles. I, mean, I, just, I, can't even, I can't even begin. The next nearest star is five times larger than the sun. Five times that. Did you know that the moon is 211, 463,000 miles away? 211, 463,000 miles away from planet Earth. It, it would take you 27 years to walk there. If, if you started walking now... 27 years from now, you'd reach the moon. If that was even possible. You've got the North Star. The North Star, you know, the bright shining one that's out there that you see uh, no matter what. The, the North Star, like I can remember that as a kid looking up in the sky and just seeing that one uh, just, just blaring in, 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 in the galaxies. The North Star is 400 trillion miles away. 400 trillion. Uh, a two-hour trip wrecks me. I mean, 400 trillion miles away. 
I'm going to blotch this, but just, just hang with me. The, the, uh, uh, Beth, Bethelquiz, it's the 10th brightest star in the sky. It's in the constellation Orion, and it's, it's 880 quadrillion miles away. The 10th brightest star, 880 quadrillion miles away. That's not a made-up number because I, I looked it up, 880 followed by 15 zeros is what it is. Uh, that's how many miles away. I don't, even know, I don't know how they calculate that. I don't know how their little fancy machines can, can, can figure. Its diameter is 250 million miles, which happens to be greater than the orbit of Earth. Its diameter is bigger than the orbit of the Earth in the galaxy. I mean, that's what our God has created and made. That's what God has done. That's who David is just in all over for a moment as he, as, he, as he sings this, as he cries out, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your... I mean, he's blown away by the greatness of God. He's blown away by the big... He just gazes up into the sky and he sees it. I mean, I mean the scriptures, the book of Romans tells us that, that there's, there's enough evidence in our creation for us to see and know that there is a God. And David just looks up and he's blown away at the moment. The moon, the stars, God, you've set them in place. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah gets this. He says this in Isaiah 40, 25. He says, to whom then will you compare me? This is God speaking. Who are you going to compare me to? There's no one. I mean, who are you going to put in my category? That's like me. There's nobody. Who will you compare me to that I should be like him, says the Holy One. And he says this. He says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by numbers, calling them by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Man, if, if we could count the stars in the Milky Way, and we could do it one star a second, it would take us 2,500 years to count them all. And what Isaiah says is that God's aware and knows of every single one of them. Every single star that's ever been. And it would take us 2,500 years just to count them in the Milky Way. See, that's the vastness. That's the greatness. That's the majesty of God. Just the size of our universe makes us feel tiny and insignificant. Just gazing up at night, looking at the creation, reminds us of the greatness of our God. The greatness of our God. I mean, do you, do you feel that this morning? I mean, just the weight of that, the reality of that, that he has created and he has made, and he's done in such a way that's going to bring him the utmost glory, the utmost honor. There's none like him. Look, look at what David says next as he, as he talked about creation. He's, he's reminded us of, 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 of the expanses that he's spoken into existence. The fact that, that he knows every star, where he's placed it, where he's put it, where he's done, what he's done with it, what, what's happening in it and with it right now. And then look at where he goes next in verse 4. He says, now what is man? I mean, that's a great question, isn't it? I mean, think about the creation that, he just, that we just looked at, that we just thought about. I mean, the vastness of, of our universe. And then David goes, oh, by the way, what, what is man? Frail, insignificant, feeble man that you are mindful of him. And the fact that God even thinks about. The fact that God even cares about. The, the, fact, the fact that he would even, that he would even be aware of or consider us. 
Man, it just stirs deep in the psalmist's soul. Oh, you see where the oh God comes from? Oh, oh Lord. Do you see what's coming? I mean, he feels the smallness in this moment. He feels the insignificance in this moment. And then, he, then he's reminded of like, like, what is man that you would even be mindful, that you would even care, that you would even know and be aware of? See, church, we don't believe that God just kickstarted and then he sits back and he watches the drama unfold. No, 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 we're, we're, not, we're not deists, we're not, we're not theists, we don't, we don't believe that. We, we believe that, that God's created and he's made it and he's stepped into his creation and plays a vital part in it. He doesn't just leave us alone to figure out. He doesn't just leave us in our, in our struggle, in our uh, insignificance. He doesn't leave us in that, but he is mindful, he knows, he cares. What is man that you're mindful of him? And the son of man, it just, it just means it's just mere mortals. It's, it's, it's used for, for individual persons. So it's not that he just knows, 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 knows everybody, but he knows us individually. He, he's aware of us individually as he's formed us and fashioned us and made us in his image, in his likeness. Son of man. That's what he's saying here. It's the difference between man and the son of man. It's going from, from, from generic humanity, everybody everywhere, to, to the specific individual. So, so, so think about that for a moment. I mean, get lost in that for a second. The fact that, that he's created the universe. All these stars he knows by name. He's, he's very aware of where every single one is. He, he knows why the moon did what it did uh, last night. He knows what's going to happen to it tonight, how full or how unfull it's going to be or, 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 or what star is going to shoot here or there. He is well aware of, but he's not just a well aware of that. He knows us. He's aware of us. Little, puny, insignificant us, you, your name, your circumstance, your situation. He, he is aware of and he knows and he cares about. He, he cares about. He cares about what's going on in your life. He, he cares about what's happening at work. He cares about what's going on with your kids. He cares about every detail about you. He knows. That's what, that's what David is saying. Yeah, what is man but, but, but the son of man? The, the individual that you would even care for. Man, that's how big and great and mighty our God is. All people everywhere, down to the individual. That's, that's what he cares about. That's what he's aware of. That's what he knows. He doesn't just know the names of the stars, the locations of the stars, but he, but he knows your name. He cares about you. Man, may you just get lost in that reality this morning. God has all of this creation proclaiming his glory, but he focuses and he cares. He's aware of and has a desire for us. A desire, the creator God cares about every detail of your situation, your circumstance. Then David goes on in verse 5 and he says, Yet you have made him, people, mankind, individuals, a little lower than the heavenly beings. Angels is what he's talking about here. And, and you've crowned him uh, with glory and honor. And so so what, what David's saying is that, was that when God created man, he made him in one way uh, a little lower than the angels. And it's not that, that we're lower than the angels spiritually or, or less loved by God. That's not what it means. It's, uh, man is, man is uh, lower than the angels. We're not in importance to God. That's not what he's talking about there. But we're lower than the angels only in that, um, that, that we are physical and they are spiritual. That, that's what he's talking about here. So, so angels, they're heavenly creatures, while, while man were earthly bound. 
Um, but this is only for a time. That's what we learn in Scripture. That's what we see. And we'll be with Jesus either in, in death or when he returns. And so, so angels are able to come, come to earth, and then they have the supernatural power and strength and, and, and those type of uh, characteristics and attributes. And angels have uh, continual access to the throne. While we now come by way of Jesus, we, we have access, but we, we come through Jesus to Jesus. And so what we know in the Scriptures is that after Satan rebelled, you have faithful angels that were secured in holiness forever. And then after Adam rebelled, all men we're set with him in, in sin. That's what we know and we learn. We're born of the seed of Adam, our father Adam. And so at the time of creation, you have angels. They're perfect. And man uh, was, was only innocent. And, and even in our innocence, man, we had the choice to sin whether or not. And that's what we see happen in Adam. He sins. And so angels were never subject to death, but, but man, man is. And so all the redeemed will, will not only inherit a perfect kingdom, but an eternal kingdom in which we will rule, not angels. We will get to rule with, not angels. That, that's what we'll see here in a second as, as, he, uh, as he continues on in his, his praise song. And this is what he says in verse 6. He says, you have given him, who's this man, dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. And so what David is doing, he's just reflecting on man's position. What, what God has given him as a representation of his creation when God making and forming and fashioning Adam and Eve, he commanded them to have dominion over all the earth. That's what we see there in Genesis 1. So, so all living creation, all living creatures were to be under them. But because sin enters, they don't fully get to walk in that dominion. And so verses 6 through 8, what it is, is just a summary of Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And, and it just reminds us purpose. It, it reminds us of purpose. And that's what the next two verses we'll see here does. It just describes that all that man is to rule over, all that man is to be over. In verse 7, all sheep and oxen and the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. So, so that's, that's what we see. That, that, that's what we see happening. Just a reminder of what, what God said over in the garden as he created and formed and fashioned. As he set them in place. And so everything that the psalmist has gloried in about God, he closes Psalm 8 here the same way that he begins. He brings it back around and he says this. He says, oh Lord, our Lord. Kind of has a different ring to it now, don't it? It kind of has a, has, has a different uh, 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 understanding to it. Oh Lord, our Lord. Oh God, like no other God is described this way. No, that there is no other God. You're the only true living God. Oh, oh God, there's this ache in his soul to worship and connect, a longing for his God. How majestic, how exalted, how, how beautiful, how great is your name in all the earth. That there is none like you. There will never be any like you. You are high and mighty. That should stir praise. That should stir worship in our heart. That should draw us all the more. And so what he does is he just closes with the way that he starts. After he's reminded of how small man is, how insignificant, as he's reminded of how big the universe is, how vast the universe is, just as he looks up and he sees creation, he's reminded about how great and mighty God is. He cries out again at the end. Man, church, I just pray it hits us the same way. I pray we feel the reality of that this morning. God's majesty, his glory, his 
bigness, his care, his love is on display for fallen man. That we get to see, we get to marvel. He's, he's invited us in to taste of, to walk in, to, to marvel in, to get, to get lost in. So, so as the, the band comes back up, man, what a picture of our God here in the Psalms. What a picture of God that we get to see here. And the beautiful thing is I just love how Scripture is just interwoven and how it just comes together. And I know in the moment as David penning this and writing this, he doesn't fully understand everything that he's writing and see everything that he's writing. But, but, but as, he, as, he, as he writes this and pens this and he's pouring out his heart to God in worship, to see, he understood. He got the glory and authority articulated here in this psalm. But he didn't have the opportunity to realize everything that he was saying, everything that was going to be lived out in history. And now think for a moment with me as, as, as we think about what the writer of Hebrews quotes from this psalm. So this psalm, what it does, it describes to us a New Testament perspective. It, it describes to us who the Son of Man truly is. See, in this psalm, he's referring to us. In this psalm, he's referring to you individually. He cares about you individually. But over in the book of Hebrews, the writer, what he's talking about, the man, he's referring to Jesus. That's who he's referring to as Jesus. It points us to the future world, Hebrews 2.5 tells us. It points us to Christ, the, the, the truly royal human being who radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God is what Hebrews 1.3 would tell us. So I love how the scriptures are just woven together. How the author of Hebrews would know this psalm and he would connect it to the reality of who Jesus Christ is. And he would remind us that that's how much God loves us and cares for us. The one that created all this. The one that you would think maybe doesn't have time for you does. You would think maybe the one that doesn't care about what you're going through does. You would think maybe the one that, uh, that, that's really, really busy with, with, like, I mean, there's other, like, world things going on right now that he could probably uh, use his attention, which he can fully be vested there even with you individually. And that he would love and care so much so that he would send his son to come, to step into this creation, emptying himself of, putting on flesh and blood just like you and me, living a perfect life, which we are unable to do. And then going to a cross, dying only to be resurrected to appease the wrath of a holy God. I love that, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. So, so as we read this and, and as we think of this and as we ponder this this morning, man, my hope and prayer is even here in a moment as we sing that we'll get lost in the reality of that. That, that we'll be reminded of and we'll feel the weight of how small we are, but how small we are, God's love is is no less for us in that, but it's all the more. He, he cares about us just as much as he does keeping the moon where it needs to be or keeping the sun at bay and not letting it fall out of the universe to consume us and destroy us. He cares about, he's aware of. Man, may you feel that this morning. So, so right there, sandwiched between verses one and nine, we have a great, great reminder of how majestic our God truly is. How great our God truly is. And so may he draw us deeper in and may we bask in the beauty and majesty of who he truly is.
May we get lost in the reality of this love that he has for us, this care that he has for us. So I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you're fighting. I don't know what you're battling. I don't know what, what struggle it may be. I just want you to know that God cares and he's aware. God knows and he's already there in the midst of it. And he's going to walk with you through it. He's going to love you through it. He's going to give you the strength that you need to go through it. Because as important as the moon is to this universe, you to the heart of God are so much greater. His care and love for you. May we get lost in that. May we marvel in that. May God stir in us all the more this desire to worship and reflect back to him how great he truly is. So if you want to come pray, you come pray. If you want to stand and belt out this morning this song in adoration to God, you do that. You be obedient in this moment. Whatever it is that God calls you into, you worship the creator of the universe. Oh, Lord, our Lord, don't lose the bigness and grandeur of our God. Father, help us this morning to feel that, to know that, to experience that. And Father, to think that you have invited us in this morning to partake and to be, that you care. Father, I know that in this room this morning that there's hurt. I know that in this room this morning that there's concern. I know that in this room this morning that there is a number of things that has brought, been brought in by us. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we would just rest assured that you haven't just left us to be and to figure it out, but, God, that you are there to walk with us. So, Father, may this morning, in that reality, may we just lay it down. May we give it to you. May we rely on all the more. May we, may we just cast everything upon you. So, Father, do work in this place. God, may we worship with new perspective this morning. May we get lost in the bigness of you. God, help us feel that. Shall we pray? Amen. You stand, you respond as God leads.
sing this next part, let's just reflect on the word from God we just heard, how majestic is his name. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you. Shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. so much for being here this morning. Just pray that this uh, God's words encouraged you. Pray that he stirred in you all the more uh, the reality of who he is and that you matter. We matter. He cares. Um, so may we walk in that this week. May we be reminded of that. May, may tonight when we just look up at the stars, it has a different meaning for us, a different weight, a different feeling, a different realization of our God and our creator. Just put on display for us to see, to be reminded he hasn't forgotten. He hasn't left us, but he cares. And he's right in the middle of his creation walking with um, Don't forget announcements, all those different things. Like I said, you can see, get signed up for and do at the welcome desk. Um, again, if we can walk with you in any way, please do not hesitate to let us know. Love you guys um, and are excited to see what God will do through his word this summer.